CSGS people, we're back again for another episode of The One Podcast, Football from the Real, brought to you by myself, Jay, and my usual co-host, Dave. Let the people know you're in the building, bro. What's good, what's good, what's good? Come on, come on, it's the second episode of the new year. Before we jump into it, be sure to drop a follow on the Spotify. I am working on things behind the scenes to try to get on Apple Music, but ballots and a couple of other ideas at the same time so hopefully we'll come to a conclusion on that very very soon and everything will come into come into fruition but yes if you're on the spotify part of the spotify crew drop a follow and just yeah drop a follow really so you get notified when we do it so you don't have to have me pestering you all the time so yeah without further ado let's just jump into jump into the episode now the big game of this weekend was quite obviously liverpool versus manchester united yeah, it's an arguably underwhelming game, but positive. What were your thoughts on the game, bro? Yeah, I was definitely looking forward to it a lot. Like the build-up throughout the week was kind of all kind of looking towards this game. It was obviously yeah, a big, big title, big title, and decider. We were obviously talking about it last week, and I think that that Southampton result where Liverpool had drawn kind of made it a bit more exciting. No, they lost. I mean, when they lost, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Made it a bit more, because they were on, like, such a bad run of form. And then, I remember, they, United went on to kind of win convincingly against, um, against Burnley. Like, not, not too, not too convincingly, but they still played a lot better than, than you would have expected. So, Man United were coming in on good form, obviously top of the league. Liverpool a bit shaky and obviously the Anfield record you're kind of thinking it's kind of making for a good storyline and then yeah the the usual facts of the week um, top, is that United hadn't won there since 2013 in January so it was all kind yeah. of leading up to like have an interesting storyline whichever way it was going to work but yeah not surprisingly to me personally it kind of was a bit of a stalemate still yeah, like, obviously, there was so much hype for it because, obviously, United are top. Liverpool haven't lost in how long at Anfield. Mm. United have the best away record. Obviously, wow. historically, the two most successful sides back in the title race. Like, literally, so much hype for it. And, um, but to be honest, yeah, coming into it, obviously, as I, as I just said, there was a lot of hype for it. Mm. But at the back of my mind, I'm thinking... This derby, or this proclaimed derby, has low-key been one of the most overrated derbies, at least in the last five years. Yeah. Like, games have been ball fests. You're lucky if we saw three goals. I think the only memorable moment of recent time, I'd say, is the Martial moment. I wouldn't even call that just that moment because also Benteke scored a very good goal that game as well. Mm. So, overall, that whole game... That was the last one. Obviously, the Marcus Rash versus Trent was quite iconic. But other than that, like I don't know, like slightly overrated. Though. Yeah, definitely. And to be fair, like obviously, I do know the historical context, but it's not, it's not one of them local derby type of things. So it's, it was kind of. It's yeah. also been, it's been built up because of how good the teams were in the past, and now nowadays when Liverpool. Liverpool have obviously been doing their thing in the league recently, but like, like you were saying, when Martial and um, 
even even that Rashford season, none of them were really competing too tough. It was a bit of like a top, it was more of a top four yeah. game, if anything. So, and Definitely. it's also, also it doesn't mean quite a lot. Like I'm not taken away from anything. So, I, especially even you know, Mourinho and even Klopp as well, they, it's more of like a, we cannot lose this as opposed to we need to go and win. Yeah, they were both quite cautious coming into this one specifically. Yeah. Because, um, as you said, lots were on the line. But, um, yeah, like, obviously, it was underwhelming. No goals involved, still on me. Mm. But there were good, there were positives you can definitely take away from that match. And one of the biggest positives I say was the defence of both sides, I'd say. Yeah. Because um, Liverpool won, you kind of expect it more, though, to be fair, they had Henderson there. So, do you really expect it? Not really, but as you mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Liverpool are in that kind of Man United mode where their system and their ethics are so good running through the whole side that they might have an injury area there. Yeah. And they know they can chuck they can chuck in the Henderson and cool. And Henderson's no Van Dyke, no Gomez, obviously, but he will do a decent job there because they all know and understand the system yeah. and the ethics so well. Exactly. So it's that was something that was very big during Ferguson's bigger years. Like mm-hmm. they'd have injuries, or they might switch up, and you might see you see John O'Shea in centre mid, and you might see my man at left back and right back. And you're thinking that's not their positions, but they understand it so well. So I wasn't surprised to see Henderson do. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. And Liverpool, like even since the Van Dijk injury, like we were saying, we were, I, personally I've been kind of shocked that they haven't really leaked that many goals like they have not got positive results definitely not but I think their problems are more like I think we'll touch on it a bit in a minute but their top their problem is more the attack as opposed to the defence yeah I'd say that's a big credit to Fabinho yeah because obviously he was the guy who was drafted in as the centre back because that's He's he's pretty much been a centre back this season. Yeah. Like, he's only played like a couple games in DM. So being a centre back for the whole of this season, and you know he's not only done well, like he's up there with team of the season shots. Yes. I mean, I, I, obviously Vestergaard, who I had in my previous team of the season, ever since I made that post, he's actually been injured. So I haven't really he hasn't been in action. So if I had to make an updated team of the season. It will bounce between uh, Diaz, Stones, Fabinho, a couple other guys, which I probably forgot. Those are the three names that stand out in that centre position. Like he's not only been good, he's excelled. And mm. yesterday, or technically at the time we were recording, basically two days ago, I'd say, was um another brilliant example of that. Like he, he's so good. Like it's like he's been there for years. Yeah, he just looks very um very cultured, very calm, knows what he needs to do. He did, obviously, he was um, right back at Monaco, which is obviously very strange for someone over his, like, physique. But he's just very, he makes the right decisions. Like, he doesn't kind of lunge into tackles. He's not, he's very good at, um, how do I describe it? You know the Van Dyke thing, how he doesn't, how he kind of ushers people out of the way. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. press too early. He knows to kind of just, like, just lead them away from good goal. Positional. Exactly. Good and all that. Um, the timing of the tackles they read the game proper well yeah you know that one where he, I think Rashford was in through quite a few times and yeah. Fabinho kind of just usher him to either he doesn't Rashford doesn't have a weak side 
like other players, but he would kind of just push him away out of the danger zone. Like he would never let him get goal side, and just kind of that was towards the end. Yeah, the one where the one where he should have passed, but that was so good from Fabinho. Just running him to those situations. Yeah, it can go so mm. left. So obviously he was on the counter. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like we've seen so many of those goals going so. Like from a defensive point of view, I thought that was phenomenal. Like for me personally, that was the part that secured my personal. Because obviously, I, I I put him as my man in the match, and that was the moment where I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's done well. This yeah, he's, yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, yeah. So overall, the defenses were good. Um, Liverpool's one. Robertson was doing pretty well going up and down the left flank. Where I don't know. I feel like people have kind of forgot about Robertson I mean it's weird because obviously Liverpool in 2020 towards let's say this the last two thirds of the year I think that would be fair to say have kind of fallen off mm. they ended last season pretty poor, poor they started this season pretty poor but obviously had injuries but Robertson has been quietly one of the consistent figures in that side obviously he's not getting as much assists as previously but he's still quietly going about his business and we see all these left left back talk. Like obviously, big up Tierney. I'm here for mm. that. Um, big up Regulon. But it's like people kind of left Robertson out of those debates, and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, definitely. Because I think with Robertson, like you were saying, because the assists weren't going down, because the assists have gone down. Sorry, he doesn't have that kind of number to make people think, "Oh, cool, yeah, he's doing, he's doing something type of thing." Because he's not, they're not necessarily keeping clean sheets, but that's just a. That's just a general defensive thing, but he's doing his job. Like yeah. he hasn't, he hasn't looked out of place. Like he's working with whoever he has in front of him, whoever he has in the midfield, whoever he has next to him, even in the defense. Like he doesn't, he's not, he's not really dropped off. I can't remember a game that he's that he's really been out of. Therefore, like he's done well this season. And um, one guy I can understand if people would make an argument for him falling off is Trent Alexander-Arnold, mm. I thought that. Yeah, as of recent, I don't know what it may be, but he looks kind of off the ball. Mm. Like, I watch him and I think it's not just that Southampton game, it's not just the game against United. Obviously, this is nothing off of him. Like, I still, it's probably just a poor patch. You'll probably come mm. back in the next couple of weeks, but... He's someone I can understand where people are saying they might have fallen off because as of recent, he hasn't looked like his usual yeah, self. Yeah, he definitely looks out of sorts, like you were saying. It does look a bit confidence-related because he, like, I was watching the game and he's he's doing that crossing thing and I was just saying to my boys, like, this is why his stats look so skewed because he's just, he's not even like looking where he's hitting it anymore. Before, people used to get on for yeah. crossing in Shalal or whatever. But I actually thought that, to a certain extent, he knew to hit areas, so he didn't. You didn't need to look up; like it was just natural instinct. But now he's just like aimlessly swinging at it, kind of just to get the ball away from him, type of thing. So I don't know. He can't really be dropped because they don't have much in the way of replacing him. But yeah, hopefully he can just kind of play his way out of this yeah. form. I do. F- I think they were saying that. Yeah. No, I was saying that I think that people were saying that COVID kind of played a mm. part at first, but obviously he's recovered from yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been alright. I think I think with unlike Robertson, because Robertson kind of has that defensive acumen, Trent doesn't necessarily have it as much. 
So the assist going down on his part kind of is must be affecting him. So I think if if he kind of somehow I don't want to say get assist because that's not what that's not really what his game is about. But if he if he can kind of seem a bit more like assured in what he's doing attacking wise, I think he'll improve his overall game. Mm, definitely. I mean, one argument that could be made for this little poor run of form is obviously Liverpool's attack ain't taking yeah. right now. Like, I think this is now three consecutive games without mm. a goal. You even look at the performances and it's not like you could say... I mean, maybe an argument could be made for Firmino just missing... Bleh, for Firmino just like missing chances. Mm. But I look at Salah, for example, and I'm, I'm just not seeing any penetration from him. I'm not seeing getting into space I'm just seeing him kind of ghost it really like, like obviously someone I write highly but he's been ghosting it recently yeah morning I was go. gonna say on Salah obviously United's defence did play well and I'm not taking anything away from them but I don't think like Salah was really getting at Luke Shaw I think it was on his side he just kind of seemed to be like I don't know he was more of like a, a, a passenger yeah, kind of he was playing more on the winger side of things like he usually cuts in like trying to get involved in the centre he was kind of being like he was getting easily just kind of brushed aside yeah it was, it was strange and it's like I don't know hopefully he can find a way hopefully this whole attack can find a way because it's like I've seen this too many times with Arsenal strikes mm. for example it's like you don't want free games to slowly roll onto more yeah. and more games. You want to nip this little poor form in the bud because it's giving me vibes that if you don't nip it in the bud, regardless of how good you was in a couple years' mm. time, a couple years back, sorry. Like, Aubameyang was a prime example. Obviously, he's finally got back up and running um, tonight and we'll obviously mm. get onto that. But it's like, this is Aubameyang who was only second to Salah and goal scored since he yeah. came. You could... He, like you could guarantee you'd be at least top three in a golden boot mm-hmm. charge. This season, man's been off yeah. it. Like he was going dry. Like I was speaking to my boys about this. I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm. It does. You can have poor form. You was due to have poor form at one point in your Arsenal career. So now it looks like this is the time. But like we're we're nearly touching February. And you're not getting yeah. any goals. But obviously, he's back up and running. But it's like this little poor run of form. I think there. with with strikers like you're saying we were touching on a bit in a minute, but goal scoring is such a, so confidence based, and I know I go on about it all the time, but even even looking at Firmino, Mane, they just seem as if they don't have that root. You know that ruthlessness that they used to have. Like every, at any game, you wouldn't know who's going to score. Like you wouldn't know who's going to contribute. You didn't know it was going to be Mane off the left or Salah get his usual goals. Firmino just kind of piecing things together and now it's kind of like we need them as opposed to who's going to do it and I think if they just get you hit it yeah. with the ruthlessness like you hit that perfect mm-hmm. in the head they just don't look yeah. urgent they don't look hungry mm-hmm. they don't look any of these type of mm-hmm. stuff for the goals and everything I- but weirdly enough what I feel like I feel like if United actually because obviously all United fans are saying Bailey is their best defender and everything. Personally, I disagree. I feel like Maguire is their best defender. But it does make me think, if United did play Bailey, I feel like um, Liverpool's attack might have done better. Might have even scored. Because of the height? Yeah, because I feel like with Bailey, 
high mm. on the pitch. So someone like a Bailey would push higher up the pitch, mm. for example, and then um, it would leave these guys getting to behind. Because yeah. I feel like for as poor as they've been, and we are we are giving credit to United's defense, they did kind of sit deep yeah. in that game. Like United were trying to hit Liverpool on a counter-attack, which means that it was hard for Liverpool to really break down the defence. As I said, the only one you can leave with blood in their hands is Firmino, because yeah. he should have at least got one goal. Yeah, he 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 actually yeah. had chances. Salah and Mane, was a bit, they were a bit scrappy, like, should have taken shots earlier type of thing, but Firmino had clear cuts. Literally. Like, some of the chances I saw this guy miss, I was thinking... No, you doing, yeah. bro? Like, I'm, I'm, the thing is, I actually like Firmino. Mm. Like, he gets a lot of pain, but I like what he offers. I like what he is in his system, and um, I just think he's the victim of you know those players who are previously underrated. Everyone recognizes them, and then sometimes they might get a bit overrated. Yeah. And it, it's happened so many times, and I think he was just a victim Definitely. of that. Obviously, he has nothing to do with being underrated or overrated. But he was the victim mm. of that, and um, but he's actually a player I quite like. But obviously, you gotta be putting away these chances at least one. That's of the them. thing with Firmino. Like, I think we've all got to the point like we respect his position, like we know what his role in the team is. But it shouldn't still take away from doing the basics. Like on on a stats front, you yeah. can see, oh, cool, he doesn't have as many goals, da da da. But when you're looking at the chances man's missing, it's not. It's not it's not acceptable really, but obviously, I think like we touched on last week. I think it's that depth again. They don't have Jota knocking on the door anymore. Origi's not he's not a threat to their position. They, like you're, yeah, I don't know what happened to that guy. Even like people saying when you would, like if back last season or two seasons ago, if you'd see Origi coming on, you're thinking, "Rock, something could happen." Scary something time, happen, honestly, and. It did come a bit of a meme, but he was actually performing like Champions League final. Fucking is the example of it all. He was so clutch. Yeah. Like, it, it kind of made no sense because obviously he done horrific on his loan at Wolfsburg. Yeah. Was obviously out of favour at um, Liverpool originally, mm. but obviously slightly excusable because he had injuries. Yeah. So I'm not going to get onto him too tough about that. And then obviously he came with the, the Champions League semi final goals, the goal against Newcastle, which obviously. Liverpool didn't win the title that year. They lost out by one point, but he came clutching that game and kept them in a race until the very last game. And then um, he just kind of disappeared off the face. Like, it was kind really... of a. It seemed a bit of like a. He knew what he knew. Wagner in the team, so Klopp put his arm around him and was just like, "Listen, you know I can't start you, type of thing. But when I need you to come on, when we're not winning, when the when the." <laughs> low block like you're saying we're playing against a defensive team we need you to come and get ahead or something and he did it I think in the summer this season I think he was kind of getting linked away I'm br- I was going to put him on my you know that thing I'd done with the six players yes. I'd be yes, here yes, yes. I was going to put him in for a move to Wolves because obviously mm. him and his big I injury that, you know? similar profile really good experience very good that was a shout probably should have done that one yeah but uh, yeah that, that would actually be a good move because yeah as I said that guy's just disappeared the face that yeah. earth, and it's just like like you're saying he's not not really offering much really and like, yeah like he's actually off form like you can actually slightly understand now why yeah. he's 
being left out some yeah. of these games. And then obviously, like you're saying, it's not really helping a an attack that's just stagnating. So it seems a bit. It seems very. It's strange to associate Liverpool with some like deep problem. Like, I'm not saying by any means it's like terrible, but a title. Yeah, no, it's weird though. Bit. I think they've they've always had not not always, but like Salah has gone through a period at Liverpool where he was kind of mm. off the boil, but then Mane and Firmino were chipping yeah. with goals, and then there was times where Firmino was obviously off it, Salah mm. Mane. Them as a whole collective have all gone off form, and I think this is the first time. I can't remember the last time, as a collective, they've been off the boil. Yeah, yeah as I said, man, they just better hope. I feel like the next game against Anfield, the next game at Anfield, sorry, don't know who it's against, but I feel like they will come with a bit more confidence. If it's one of those mid-table sides at Anfield, surely they would. They have to. Him. They have to. I don't know. Hopefully, literally. But um, yes, for as much as Liverpool's attack is off the ball, a lot of credit has to be given to United's mm. defence. Now, I've made multiple posts on this, especially with Maguire. Like Maguire, I'm actually gonna ride out for that guy <laughs> because we've I've I've clowned him before, mm. and it's not just a thing of giving credit anymore. I actually want to ride out for him and tell people to put respect on his name because with Maguire, it's getting a bit jarring now, but. When he fucks up, cool. Like I'm here for the memes. You see, man yeah. on Twitter. I've had my bit of bands. Like I'm, I'm not afraid to say them. But what, as I said, this is football from the real. We keep it real. No agendas. No bias. No nothing. When he does well, I don't see an ounce of credit to his name. We've seen Bay keep a lot of the credit. We've seen Lindelof keep a bit of a credit. We've seen, obviously, rightfully so, Luke Shaw in that game keep a lot of the credit. But I see nobody mention Maguire's mm. name. And I'm thinking, this guy, at least in like the last five games, has been proper. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's um it's definitely a, a meme thing that if he if people kind of don't want to see past it. So if he does well. Like, for example, if I don't know who United are playing next mm. full a minute. Let's say hypothetically he fucks up against Fulham and they draw or lose that game because of his error. You're gonna see so much like memes and and, and rightfully so, it's but it's like for... you need to keep the same energy. I yeah, I hear that. I do hear that. Cause I still stand by the point, as well as he's doing right now, he was always mm. overpriced. But I feel like that's the, I don't know. Even, even then, price, what is really overpriced? Because Man United needed a centre back. Leicester had what they're offering. It's a rival. It's a rival, definitely, especially now. And Leicester could say whatever number they wanted. Yeah, it's one of those ones where because loads of clubs actually quote those kind of prices. It's just United actually decided mm-hmm. to activate it. For example, like the Crystal Palace one yeah. with Zaha, they set a, a mad fee like seventy yeah. seven mil. And normally, with most clubs, they get scared off by that big fee. But um, and we got scared off by mm. Zaha. You know, you can look at Jack Grealish now. Obviously, I rate Jack Grealish. Like, this isn't to say he's mm. poor or anything, but he's getting quoted what 120 yeah. mil, and usually that would scare a United, a City, or Arsenal, all our sides away. And it was just, it just happened that United said, you know what? Because they are United, though. If there's only, if there's any side to actually say, you know what? We're actually gonna pay whatever sum you're saying. 
Yeah, literally. And Leicester knew that and they got their man. And United have needed him. Whether he's fucked up, this or there, anywhere, they've needed him. Because without him, Lindelof and Bailly just switching in and out is not it's not it. Do you know what I mean? It's not reliable. It's not yeah. it's not as and good. It's like, that's the thing with Maguire. He's also reliable. Mm. Like, ever since, like, obviously, I had him in my team of the season last season. And I, this is the exact reason why I had it. Because he did do a lot of stuff last season where it made you think, like, how is this guy captain of Man United? How is he this high up and stuff like that? But it's like, there was a lot of games which went under the radar where he actually done well. And obviously, there wasn't much to choose from last season. But he done well last season. One of the big factors last season was he was never like injured, for example. He was always a consistent figure in the side. And it's like, even this season, I don't know the minutes he's played, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's played the most minutes in the Premier League of any player this season. I'm pretty yeah. sure he played the most minutes in Europe during 2020 or something yeah, silly I'm like pretty that. sure he's played every game. Yeah, he's a very convincing. Do you know what? With, I think, like you're saying, the games go under the radar. I think that's even happened with United as a whole this season obviously the goal difference thing everyone yeah. talks about it, but like they're up there for a reason like they've managed to pick up the points that maybe however however they got them whether they earned whether they're penalties whether it's this and that they've got the points you can't argue with the numbers and you can't you can't put that down just to one guy you can't put no, that down right. to Bruno Fernandes you have to do look at the defence because defence was always an issue for those guys because they were they were that's the thing they were leaking goals and now they look a bit more they look a bit more safer mm. more solid yeah and even Lindelof done well in that game um, against United so big up him I think he made what the most what did he make the most blocks or most recovery yeah. something like that I was like, surprised he done, well. you know? he done well because I thought he... I think that's the that's the best game I've seen from yeah, Lindelof he, got, in a while. he did get caught out um, early on and I thought, I thought, ooh, yeah. it could get, it could get peak for him. And I pulled it together still. Definitely, definitely. Obviously, Luke Shaw, man of the match. Personally, the best performance I've seen from him since mm-hmm. that injury. Because I think, obviously, out of his control, but that injury, since that happened, I've not seen that Luke Shaw that I saw during his last season yeah. at Southampton. The loot shot I've seen since that injury, he's been an absolute shadow of that player. And he's been someone I've criticised because I just, personally, I never thought that if United really want to go places and win titles and stuff like that, loot Shaw is just not the left yeah. back for that. There's so many better left backs out there. You put him in the left back rankings, it, across other left backs, coming into, and I still, I'm not going to let this one game change things, but I wouldn't even have him in my top seven, mm. let's say. Because the, the Premier is actually blessed with a lot yeah. of good left-backs. So I wouldn't even have him that high. But as I said, credit where it's due. Done very, very well against Liverpool. As you said, handled Salah with ease. Yeah, with Luke Shaw, like, um, I'm agreeing with you again. I think he's a bit... He, he just doesn't... He he doesn't seem like the same guy as he, as he did, like you were saying, when... Even the first couple months when he signed with United, like obviously crazy money again. Yeah, he was good. English, like people didn't really respect him too much. But I think that, that those type of injuries that like we're seeing with, I think Bellerin's documentary, I haven't 
necessarily watched it, but I can assume that it just it messes you up that. mentally, if anything. Because my thing yeah. with Bellerin as well, which is is ironic or whatever you want, however you want to say it, they didn't seem as if they loved football anymore. Mm. And I could 100% understand why, because if you go a year without doing the thing you've done every day, you do start to question like, right, is this is what I'm going to dedicate my life to type of thing? But it's, and yeah. obviously then he had the whole issues of being like, quote unquote, fat, Mourinho calling him out just so ruthlessly, him not really being part of England mm. set up anymore. It's kind of, you can kind of see how he's derailed a bit. But I think, I think, um, what's his name? Teller's coming in has kind of put kind of put him in check in terms of like yeah, yeah that pressure your spot is under yeah you know, if you do poor you will get replaced and yeah everything's there yeah that's what you would like a signing like that to do like there's a couple band you should be in this arsenal side to just let you know that you can get your position taken if you get exactly. too comfortable and um that's kind of bucked up Luke Shaw's idea so yeah no, I pick up Luke Shaw each and every time and that's pretty much it really like that Liverpool game was really about good two good defences and um, you know going forward going into like the midfield areas I do feel like Thiago was sensational in that first half let's say he was sensational he kind of cooled down a bit in the second half but that's what I want from mm-hmm. my midfielders. My midfielder, Thiago. With sauce, with sauce as well. Like, he was so good. Like, he was, he's, he does the simple things with ease. And it's like, he does things where they won't be on a stats page or they won't be on... You, you can't judge them by stats. So I keep telling people, I saw someone post, uh, Thiago's only got zero... He's got zero assists yeah, in like the last few years. G, if you watch him, he's a deep line player. He plays very deep. So he's not going to be getting that, that final pass to be getting assists or anything like that. He's not like that. He's the guy who transitions the play and he transitions it excellently well every single time. Like seeing him just skip past the players, spray balls left, right, and center, dribbling. Like he's just so good. Like I could watch this guy 25 days in a. 25 days in a day, no, 25 hours mm. a day, sorry, eight days in a week. Like, mm. just a beautiful football to mm. watch. And obviously, on the other hand, you've got <laughs> a certain Portuguese <laughs> called Bruno Fernandes. Now, boy, if I start, if I speak on him, people will say I've got an agenda, so I'll, I'll let you take it away. <laughs> we touched on it a bit last time. Last time out. Oh, I've been touching on this, bro. You've been touching on it. And once again, big team, top six, if you want to call it. Not really. Not really. Not really. Contributing too tough. Like, with him. And do you know what's the jarring bit about it? Is personally personally speaking, I per- I don't feel like people actually yeah, watch Bruno. Definitely. Like all these professional pundits, all these comments. I don't feel like they watch Bruno. I feel like they probably skip a lot of United matches. They probably just run by 
obviously is an amazing record. Like that's one thing that can't be denied. His record is amazing. They probably just run by that and say, yeah, Bruno's good. Because I even saw, what was it, Martin Tyler? I don't know if it was Tyler or Carragher, one of the commentators. They they said, oh, Bruno's passing is a bit off the ball today. <laughs> it's not like him. Mm. Have you He's been watching him this season? Times. This has been my this has been my biggest criticism of Bruno. Great player, or, or I'm not even gonna say great end products, great um efficiency, mm. great record. But I can't sit there, for example, and watch Bruno and say, come to that conclusion that he's the best midfielder in the league. I can't. I can't look at him and watch him play because all I see is hit and hold passes. I see um, always recklessly giving away the ball. And before you even get too deep into it, people are going to again say, yeah, you're running agendas. This is exactly how I felt with Sir and Alexis Sanchez, especially yeah. in that last season. Alexis Sanchez, when he first came, was a proper winger. Had the flair, was playing for the team and didn't really give away the ball like that. Chipped in with goals, chipped in assists. It was a nice little view. Obviously, he had that second season where he was a bit injured, still transitioning a bit into playing a more mm. central role. And in that last season, that 16-17 season, his productivity was TT. Top of the tops. Like, he would have won the golden boot if he had a couple more goals, still got the assists. It was so he got it was amazing. Proper, proper season. But he was so frustrating to watch. How many times was he gonna do that same oh. cut in, luff the ball over the top? <laughs> that was so frustrating. Yeah. I watched it live as well. Yeah. Different type of frustrating because you hear the same yeah. groan. Like you hear about five groans after he's finished with the ball ringing around the Emirates. Luckily, also had Obviously, it's Giroud as the target man who likes to mm. eat up those headers. So there were some times where it did pull off, but it's just and he he also had a bit of flair. And obviously, as you said, Bruno the big games. Yeah, at least at least with Alexis Sanchez, as frustrating as he was, was it um, the semi final <laughs> against Man City, the final against Chelsea? He was a he Sanchez was a clutch for it. Sanchez in, in the for big it. game. He lived, he lived for a young big game, but this Bruno fella, it is tough because that's the thing. He's, he just has these crazy numbers and he's transformed United, this and that, wah, wah, wah. But when you look at him, when it, his actual efficiency and output on the pitch over the 90 minutes, you may as well put him on for, yeah, so it's like, you know, them guys that get subbed on for penalty shootouts. It's literally that thing. Like, yeah. just... What? He's, man, I'm saying that. What? You're trying to say he's an uh, outfield? <laughs> literally. Person. You bring on Tim Krul and Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> Pentry's patterned. Hey. Shit, man. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's that's the thing. Like, I, I don't feel like people watch him. And I'm, obviously, it's, it's like it feels like a criminal offence to criticise him right now. But, as I said in the podcast a couple weeks ago, when these goals dry up, Let's just say hypothetically, if the goals dry up, do you know what? There's no escape. I, I hear what like you're it. saying, but Go on. when you're when you're with an attack like like Martial and then man, you're replacing those goals. So the only way I can see yeah. him drying up goals is if Martial starts banging, if Cavani is scoring more frequently, if Rashford's scoring more frequently. Because at the moment. 
it just seems like Bruno is getting the the majority of goals. I think he's top goal scorer of like eleven, is it? Eleven goals or something? Yeah. Top score for United. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think United, sorry. So, so yeah, so Yeah. I, they built yeah. the team around him really, like everything runs through him and that's why that's that's why there's more of a spotlight on him. Because I say and this is what I want. Yeah. When everybody comes up to me for aesthetics, that's not it. What I want from my midfield is an influence on the field. I think it's no coincidence that I like players like Thiago. I like players like Jack Grealish. These guys influence Ethan Hazard. These are the type of players where, yeah, they might chip him with a goal, they might chip him with an assist, but their main role is to influence the game and drag, not, yeah, pretty much drag the team actually on the field with your performance. You're guaranteeing these guys to put at least a seven out of 10 every single week. And I feel like with Bruno, he has had a great impact, but I watch his influence on the field and I don't see that. In the last couple games, for example, I've seen much more of an influence for Man United um, in the midfield from Paul Pogba. Like, you watch his performance in against Burnley, against even against Liverpool. I feel like he was decent. Most people said he was shit, but I thought he was amazing. But he, he put himself no, about yeah, you're right, you're right. much. This yeah. is what I expect from Because you saw, I was criticising Pogba mm. at the beginning of the season. But let's say the last two months, that's exactly what I want to see from Pogba. I'm you happy know, to see it. If you look at that squad from time yeah. to time, remember how we were talking about um, Ole's managed that midfield well by rotating whatever. The one player that gets rotated yeah. quite literally is Paul Pogba. This guy's playing CDM, left yeah. CDM, right CDM, left wing, right wing. He's doing that. He's doing that wing right now. It's, it's actually... It's so frustrating, man. Just, and the treatment that he gets as opposed to... Fernandez, I think some United fans are like are kind of aware of it. No, but there's a lot of agenda. That's the, that's Pogba my that's what well, I'm like. saying. He's Pogba literally gets shoehorned in any position, and because he is good, like he everyone knows the managers know it, real football fans know it, people who are watching they know that he's class. So they think they can just put him anywhere and expect him to do. I don't know what they expect really. Come I'm like literally, come like some video game just do whatever he wants every week in any position meanwhile there's guys holding mm. up positions anyway if I speak too much but but yeah like Pogba I, I see, I've seen an actual influence yeah. on the field in the last couple of games well, I wouldn't even say last couple I said last two months and that's the type of thing I expect from my midfielders and it's like when the team is built around Bruno Fernandes for example I don't, I just, I don't know. Unfair. I don't know. Because obviously, if he's not getting the goals, mm-hmm. where are they getting it from? So, we might as well move on to the attack yeah. now. But before we do that, we might as well close this off this Bruno thing. It's like, yeah, man, as you said, the big games, what's that? One goal and one assist in like something like 12 games against the big six. That one goal is that penalty. Spurs, yeah. Spurs. And then obviously, I lost that game 6 1. Like, I was speaking to my guy who watches Portuguese football a lot. So obviously, he supports mm. Benfica, Charles Andrew. Um, yeah, he watches that a lot. And obviously, Bruno did play for their rivals and he was obviously a, a big player in Portugal at the time. But one thing he always said, and obviously, he's of Portuguese mm. international as well. So he watches the Portuguese yeah. national team. 
he said Bruno will put up good numbers and he would do all of this stuff but in the big games he's notoriously actually never actually been someone to really kind yeah. of show up like he's been doing this since his sporting days for the national team and he said what you see in United isn't a surprise at all and I don't know something that needs to be addressed because we said it with Aubameyang although Aubameyang's records was at awful at the time but it was something that needed to be addressed mm. but we said it with him there's been many guys who have been flat track bullies and even when I look at Werner I've criticised Werner this season to be a flat track bully because in these big games I don't even call him big games now because that guy's just awful <laughs> yeah, he's, not, he's not doing any game bro <laughs> but I think I think last thing on Bruno well, for yeah, me no. is that he's definitely a moments guy and he's relying on he's relying yeah. on the ball dropping to him and him doing it and I think that is very it, it's yeah it's not it's, sustainable it's, it's not sustainable but it's toxic it's going to get toxic for when United aren't doing it as well and when it's obviously hypothetical like they couldn't they could not they could whatever but if or when or when United aren't playing well that moments player cannot run in a team that needs everyone to band together needs everyone to move together forward as opposed to as an 11 compared to just one so mm. yeah that's that's yeah that's that. I that's that. That. We'll, we'll end it on all I'm going to say is like what happened against Liverpool if the goals dry up if the the assists dry up the spotlight will be mm. on his performance I want to see if people keep the same energy by calling him the best midfielder yeah. in the league like off the top of my head I'm taking the Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Grealish, or Thiago over him. But those are just to name a few. But as I said, when they, when they dry up, I want to see you guys keep mm-hmm. the same energy because I'm mm-hmm. certainly will. But um, we'll move on to attack quickly, and then we'll kind of close up this Liverpool United uh, yeah. kind of thing. But we mentioned that Liverpool's attack was drying up, but yeah, it wasn't really clicking for United either. <sighs> like. I just don't think he's this number nine that they always I've, I've said it so many times but I don't think he's this number nine striker that they keep trying to force him do you know what's beat. funny though do you know, do like, you know he was that game on the Liverpool game I think you, he was playing more on the left side did you see like his heat map yeah he was, yeah and he, he's hella yeah, deep, deep as well and, like what is it hugging the touchline properly and I was thinking, this, these guys, him and Rashford, it must be like such a mind, like so confusing for them. Because one minute, if they score in striker, cool. They're, just, they're the number nine what we're relying on. Him down the middle, that's it. The other one, just throw him out to the left. Two twos now. Yeah, because Rashford started yeah, off. Two twos now, they have a, a off-form game. Just chuck him out to the wing. So-and-so plays better. Whatever, he's a, he's a winger now. It must be so... Obviously, they're professionals, like we're saying. It's not... It's not... Uh-huh. But you need consistency in that uh-huh. way. And you need, they need to be played through the bad and the worst. Like the good and the bad, sorry. No, it's like Ole, like, he just doesn't really have a kind of set mm. XI. Like, as I said, I'll give credit for him having United where they are, but I do think it's based on Definitely. moments. He doesn't really have a structure at United. He doesn't have a philosophy He's running on moments, which, like, I mean, Bruno's the epitome of that. 
it's not yeah. sustainable. It's good when it's running your way, but it's not sustainable. So it's nice that United are in the title or nice for them that they're mm. in the title race. But I think because it's based on such an unsustainable like way, I can't really see it going much further. And uh, as you said, the bouncing between all these positions. It's like we were always saying, like, United have, on paper, good footballers. And good footballers will win matches. Do you know what I mean? But they're not going to tactically break down a team altogether themselves. They'll win matches, but not Exactly. That's, That's the quote. And that's kind of like what Arsenal used to be at one point. Although we we had more, Arsenal had more of a philosophy, but it was more of a you're not going to win titles playing. Yeah, it was more of a your defense will yeah, come up. And, it was more yeah. of a like a score our way out of games. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like I don't know. And obviously Rashford in that game was. He was moving like what? Prime Walker after that injury. I wouldn't even say Prime Walker. Post injury Walker. <laughs> Just running for no reason. And Walker used to be. No reason. Like when he's caught offside. Oh. I'm pretty sure Rashford got like four offsides in the first half. Yeah, literally. Literally. Like, that was, I would have been so frustrated if I was United. Man. Literally. He just seemed like so unthreatening. Yep. It was, it was it's strange, and, man. Like, I rate Rashford. Mm, I do. I really, really do. But what we saw yesterday, and I don't want it to just be based on that. I'm not I'm not even going to call him out like that because as a whole this season, he's come clutch. Mm-hmm. But what I saw from him yesterday was kind of my, my criticism of him. Like, I feel at times, he just lacks that IQ. Yeah. Like, Decision-making. natural... Yeah, exactly. The decision making, the natural tackler player instincts, like he kind of just lacks these key elements at key moments. And yeah, like I don't want to get onto him too tough, but because I, I do rate what he's done this season, for example, mm. at times. But that would be my only criticism of him. And you know, we'll see how time plays out. Yeah, definitely. I echo that completely. He uh, is obviously very talented, but. There's some games where he just looks like I'm not gonna offer too much. He's not gonna. And then this was like this. Is what I said, like in my obviously I got corn for it in my groups, but I was like, he reminds me of a Walker, mm. and that's not even a disrespect to him because Walker, good. on the grand scheme of things, was a very underrated mm. player. Like what he's got a century of goals for Arsenal, and he's been on the scene from early. I look at him and I feel like the two of you. You're both um, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Mm. But I don't want to say master of none like in a disrespectful way, but you can do a left wing role, you can do a right wing role, you could do a striker role. But I can't say with my chest that you've actually, you know, cemented your spot in this position. Mm. I could just say you could fill in all of these roles. You know, you're quick, you got a bit of tech about you, definitely. And you will chip you will chip in with a solid amount of goals. But that's mm. it. I don't really see them really going to the promised land with him. But he's a good player to have in the backups, for example. Like Walcott couldn't carry us to any titles. But I feel like if you put him as a backup to in back in the day, for example, to appearance, could have easily done a great backup role there. And 
I, I just see so many similarities between the two. Yeah, hundred. It's just if he if Rashford doesn't get that killer instinct, I think that you're saying even just attacking mm-hmm. like no man to pass. I think that's one problem that or one thing that I've recognised over the years. It's just yeah. that decision, but like sometimes he's through on goal and he just smashes it, and you're thinking, "What are you doing?" Yeah, literally. So um, yeah, but that's it. Really, that was the game. Somehow we've managed to stretch a nil-nil to forty-five minutes. Literally, but you know we're giving you that good, good content. But we'll close it off on that one, the one, the disgusting point. Who was the result better for, in your opinion? I think. I don't want to be too cliche and say both, but Liverpool kind of didn't get that loss. But United didn't, didn't. Um, they still got that point ahead. Well, not mm. not ahead, because it's, it's it's three points. But I think I think United would be more happier, only because they didn't lose. Yeah, yeah, I and they still have a three point advantage. I think I think Liverpool will be more upset as opposed to Liverpool being happier. I mean, yeah, United being happier because I think Liverpool it was more. It was more in their in their hands to win at Anfield, get the three points, and kind of shut United down. Really, to be fair, even more cliche, it was a better result for City. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were, you know, two teams drawn, but yeah, that the City will leave the winners. Yeah, that derby, literally. But um, yeah, no, like. I think on the grand scheme of things, you're right. Like Liverpool will leave probably a bit unhappy because although United turned it up in the second half, if you look at the game as a whole, Liverpool had better periods and arguably should have taken advantage of those better periods. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'd say it was a better result for Liverpool in the grand scheme of things only because their attack isn't clicking mm-hmm. and obviously their record was at threat. And obviously they had um, Henderson at centre-back as well. So I feel like for them to leave unscathed, because I know I know deep down they believe they're, they're champions in it. They've been champions. They've had experience of this. So they know they've managed to escape this one unscathed. And I've got confidence that they will just not go on a run, but they will make up for lost ground. Mm. And um, obviously it was a, overall it was a good result for both. But I'd, I'd probably say they edge Liverpool still because I mean, if they lost that, that would have been hugely detrimental, even if they went on a mad little run. Hugely yeah. detrimental. Yeah. And um, if Man United lost, it's kind of those teams where like you expected to lose, kind of. Yeah, exactly. But I, I hear, I hear your point still, and obviously we'll see what the title race is saying because that's a nice little segue into the next point. Mm-hmm. It was United Liverpool this battle. We can leave that aside because I've been trying to tell guys don't sleep on Man City. They're just they're just silently creeping up, and it's it's crazy to think if they what if they win their game in hand, are they one point behind? Top or they go one point clear? I need to. Um, I think it's I think it's clear. Let me just quickly because I made my post now, so really and truly I should know this off my head. Um. Where will Man City? Yeah, they'll go. Um, they'll go clear because they're second right now with thirty-five, and United have thirty-seven. You see that? If Man City win their game in hand, they're gonna go clear, one point clear, and they're hitting that That's kind of form. 
they're hitting that you know that form that they hit towards the end of that um that 1819 season where they mm-hmm. hit Liverpool to one point. That second half of the season charge, it was yeah. it was unreal, bro. I think they went like 15 games rude. in a row. Yep, and you know what? They got the fixtures for it as well. Wait, this oh is Oh my god. This has they've got, over it. Go they've on, got Villa, cool, that's a bit tough. Mm. Like Villa at home, I'm not gonna lie, it's not it's not a thing for them. They will give them a game. West West Brom. Sheffield at home. Oh, it's long. Go carry And Burnley. They usually win at Burnley. And then the des- not even the decider, but they got um they got Liverpool on in February. But interesting. But by like, then by then they would have done their thing. If they win those three games, that'll mean the eighteen games are beaten as Jesus. of right now in all competitions. So their form is nuts right now and you know, if Pep wins this title, I said like people need to put respect on his name because he looks down and out at the beginning of the season. Obviously, I predicted them to finish first, and um, weirdly enough, the way things have turned out, that might end up looking like it might be a little a right little prediction. But obviously, mm. let's say three, four, five games into the season, it was looking peak for them. Like I think they they, they drew against West Ham, they lost against Leicester. Lost five two against Leicester, like they got thrashed. Yeah, so, I think I think impressed. that game kind of put things out of perspective for everyone because they've only lost two games. They've drawn five. They've only lost which two. Isn't, yeah, I, I forgot who the other loss was to. And who did they lose to? Was it Liverpool? No, I don't remember. They lost to Spurs. Are you touching up? They lost to Spurs. Remember that one where oh, Mourinho yeah, did yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that was when Spurs were <laughs> doing up titles. Yeah. That was when they were title challengers. That's the thing. It was more of like a call. Cool, we got Spurs title challengers. Chelsea were up there. I can't lie. Liverpool was the around. I actually thought... Yeah, definitely. I, I thought, yeah, it's going to be between them two and all that jazz. Well, no, I'm not going to lie, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I didn't want to believe it, but... Nah, it was a bit too... Too good to be true for them, man. Yeah. Because I was on the team with, with Chelsea, it's like... Lampard's being bailed out by individual quality to even get Champions League in the first place. If all of these signings mm. click, then it's like you're just going to get bailed out but obviously you're going to have to get bailed out a bit higher so if you're going to jump from third to obviously they're out of that discussion now and Spurs I, I don't know they mm. but the thing is something that was always discussed about Spurs is overperforming the XG it's unsustainable and you know with XG it always finds a way to catch up with you one way or another you can't run away from it and that's mm. exactly what's happening here, but we're not here to talk about the Man City and, you know, one of the big reasons why they're even in contention right about now is that world-class defence. Like, it's amazing. Ruben Diaz, John Stones, the best Anglos, was Anglo-Portuguese partnership since John Terry and Rio, no, Ricardo Carvalho. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. I mean, people need to. Is it one? Is it one goal conceded or none? One goal conceded in like their last ten games, 
And that last, that one goal was a consolation goal by Callum Hudson Abdul in the very, very, very last game, last kick of the game, which was actually at fault of Zinchenko. The two had nothing to do. Yeah. It was Zinchenko losing his man, and he just crept in at the back post. So ultimately speaking, yeah, we're really to look down at the deep and the stuff of it. They've not conceded a goal in ten games that they've started. Yeah. In ninety minutes, actually, that would make sense. In the ninety minutes, you know, period. They yet to concede a goal in in the ten games they played. They're just so good, and like yeah. that statement that I said earlier, there's an actual statement that good attacks will win you games, but good defenses win you titles. And this will be extremely key for Man City's title charge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they got two squads <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Their man have super. Oh, I was looking at the bench. They were bringing on what is it, Mares? Um, also, they bring on just Phil Foden. Just, just like Foden doesn't start. Can you imagine? Wait, he is. So, cause I, I don't think we done a podcast on the game before that, but he yeah, is so bright and good. Like, yeah, I, you know what? It did, it took me a while to respect him. I can't lie. No, nah, I've always because I thought I thought. I thought he wasn't he wasn't playing enough, so why? Yeah, no, I can hear that. But then I just realised that it's a pep team. <laughs> not even a pep team. Yeah, it's just weirdly just, enough. Uh, that midfield is crowded. There's that, but weirdly enough, I do feel like in like the last two months, for example, Bolden 100% should have been starting a lot more games because he's hit that point where there's no excuse. But on the grand scheme of things... I think Pep handled the forwarding situation pretty well. Yeah, he's played... He's not played as much as... Personally, I, not anything to do with his career, but how much I would have thought. But he's still... Many, I think he's got like something like 40 goals and assists. Yeah, his record is not. In Man City, first team. It's like crazy. Like pretty much every game he plays, he... Um, he gets a goal or an assist or just just does his thing in the middle like just plays plays well and really he's, like, he's not he's not had a, he's one of those players who are like they influence a game you watch a match of Phil yeah. Foden and you know he's going to be involved he's going to keep play mm-hmm. flowing he's going to create actual chances and I'm not even trying to stick yeah. it on Bruno like that but genuinely speaking if I was to make a Premier League if I was to pick who I'd want in my team in that little you know, I wouldn't say the number 10 because there's no real number 10s these days, but in that pocket behind the striker, in those little spaces, I'm picking full folding over Bruno. I'm not even going to lie to you, bro. It might seem a bit of a mad shout, but I was folding and I think this guy is not just a young... Like, I said it in my post, he can't even just be in these best young player debates anymore. He can actually be in the mm. best midfielder debates right about now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like so the good. numbers. Now, he's one of them guys that his actual influence on the game is luckily, or not luckily, but because it's him, but his actual influence on the game is backed by numbers. Because mm. usually, he, if he wasn't scoring as many goals, if he wasn't getting as many assists, that would not take away anything from Literally. his game. Because he's quite deep lying in terms of like, he's not, sometimes he doesn't play like totally in front. He's, mm. he's got... Kevin De Bruyne or Bernardo Silva or the wingers obviously playing around them 
But yeah, and that day, like you were saying, he clicks so well with the rest of the team. Like, he does not look out of place at all. Literally. Like, he's just fitted in just like a glove. And it's, it's scary, the potential that he's got. Like, yeah, I don't want to stretch it too much, but... Yeah, I mean, now I'm going to... Yeah. You know, if he keeps it up, he could Hopefully he starts, man. Could be in that Ballon d'Or chase. Like, yeah. I genuinely see a player that high in him. Like, the... when you you know when you did the Rooney thing, how you were asking if he was the best of the decade. Oh, yeah. Like, obviously, again, I'm not saying Phil Foden's the best thing, but I was thinking if Phil Foden was carries on in his trajectory, like, is, could he surpass mm-hmm. my man? Well, we'll see how he does on the That's international stage. Because yeah, but like mm-hmm. in the Premier League career, for example, the way he's adapted to first team football such ease at such a young age, it is giving off a little Rooney. Yeah. So obviously, I don't think anyone will touch Rooney's level because he's just the ultimate kind of like he was actually a generational talent. Like people throw that word about a lot. He was generation. Yeah. He was the Mbappe. Yeah. OG Mbappe came through as a young kid and yeah. just made it like work from young. And yeah, the way, 100. as you said, Bolden's just fitted into this Man City side. It's a star stats uh Man City side as well. No Joel team. Done it with mm-hmm. that is it. That's the most important thing. Literally, man. So big up Bolden each and every time. And then um yeah, like Man City, they're just they are the dark horses this year. Weirdly enough, you would have thought we'd be saying that about them, but Definitely, definitely dark horses. And yeah, before we move on to the Arsenal game today, shout out to Gundogan again. Whilst Foden's yeah. been amazing as of recent, so has Gundogan. Gundogan's probably been one of their most vital players this season. And he's one of those players who's just kind of gone under the radar. But you love to see yeah. that he's now back on form. Mm-hmm. He's definitely another one of those guys who I would I would admit back when I didn't really know ball too tough. I was thinking, what's he offering? Because he's not he's not strong. Like he looks, he's quite unassuming in the middle. He's not gonna get loads of goals or loads of assists, or whatever. But when you watch him and he's just everything ticks, man. Like the ball comes into him, he recycles it. He puts killer passes down. He scores quite a lot of big goals. Deep in the year. Like, like, as well. He scored so many, even in that, obviously, they lost that game against United, but the one against United in the 3-2 loss was looking big at the time. They scored yeah. a couple big Champions League goals in that title race. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he even scored that goal against, uh, was it, let me say, Cardiff. In that very, you know that last season mm-hmm. where they won 5-1? Yeah, Brighton, the Brighton one. I think, I think he scored in that Brighton. one. That was a big game for them as well. Like over the years, he's been a, yeah Chelsea as well. I think he's their top scorer, uh, something like that. Top scorer in the Premier League this season. Obviously, they haven't had a striker, so it's understandable. A midfielder is like that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think over the years, my issue with Guard- yeah. not Guard- say, uh, Gundogan is his injury record over the years has been so bad, and obviously mm-hmm. it's out of his control. But it's like. How long are you going to keep persisting with having this guy make a, I don't know, let's say 10 game cameo every season and then the rest of the time he's on the injury bed? Like, how many, yeah. like, when are you actually going to concede the fact that he's probably not going to make it? It's unfortunate sending him back to Dortmund where he can revive his career a bit. But 
he remains injury free this season and that's it really that's yeah like you're saying he is like we were saying sorry is he is lucky in that city team well, not even he's not lucky himself but city are lucky that they have the the depth like it's just incredibly like if Gundogan really gets injured it's not going to yeah, affect the team too much but Different one story. interesting thing about him yeah one one interesting thing about Gundogan is I noticed he can kind of like kick the ball at like a 90 degree angle have you seen his um have you seen his penalty run up? No, it's in. It's yeah. It's like an angle in it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, on the side, isn't it? Yeah. So that goal, he, the one he scored, where he bent it in. Yeah. Doesn't do a traditional run up. Interesting, because I was thinking like, how's that? How's that comfortable? Like, how are you not like messing up your ankles? But yeah, that's just one. Yeah, thing no, there. definitely, definitely. So yeah, yeah no, he's player. definitely an underrated player, and big up him each and every time. But. We'll move on to the Arsenal game today. Mm-hmm. Now, Arsenal ran out three no winners, I believe. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, pretty convincing yeah, yeah, performance. Yeah. Obviously, with Newcastle, it's just Steve Bruce, man. He just needs to get out of this league with his Brexit football. This <laughs> is so stale. And you know the thing? The thing is, it's the killer of mid-table or like kind of relegation survivor teams is that because they will get an odd result here and there there's no yeah. urgency to I mean, yeah, that's them. the thing with him he's actually that, done decent for them results wise I think he got them like as you said mid-table yeah. and things weren't looking that bright before and obviously he's tight around because obviously I think Benitez left to go China but mm-hmm. my god the football is just dire like obviously I know I know it's Joe terrible. has played on the wing previously during his time at Oppenheim but just <laughs> for the fact of having Joe Linden on the wing hey nah Joe Linden um, oh, and he's trying to cheat these man like them man Zuchis like no these are targets these are, these are guys who should not be playing on the wing just smash everyone on not smash sorry just he would throw probably put a, a whole X out of centre backs if he could six foot six big man all that Literally. type of thing. like you know what's funny these guys weren't like in that game in particular some maybe this was um, Shelby's fault but the deliveries were so bad like none of them got a proper head on the ball like none of them actually I mean if they're not careful they could really get dragged into dragged into a little relegation battle, and I wouldn't. Be... Definitely, and it I don't know fun. where their goals are really coming from like that. Andy Cowell ain't bagging. Dwight Gill ain't really mm-hmm. hitting like that. Um, as I said, Joe Lennon ain't hitting like that. Callum Wilson was their only goal getter at the beginning. Literally, I think all the goals in like the first three months ran through him, and then he's kind of dried out as of recent. So mm. if he's drying up. They are pissed. Because I don't know yeah. where it's going to come from. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, definitely. I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, I mean, and then can they really Almiron, who would chip over one one goal every like thirty games. Their hopes really lie on an Allen sink. Oh, I feel. Do you know what? I he feel bad for that Almiron guy because the way this guy has to run, yeah. He has to run tirelessly, trying to do everything by himself, and he just yeah. like, you know that no help thing. 
It's like, yeah, so, no, I watch him play so and I think big. you actually glide with the ball pretty well. Like, I kind of like what you're about. Obviously, he's a bit mm. lightweight, which in the Premier League is a bit, you know, you yeah. need to be a bit more, you know, upright, stand your ground a bit more. But on the grand scheme mm. of things, on the ball, he actually moves it pretty well. But obviously, I need a bit more of an influence. I need a bit more end product from him. And then, yeah, no, overall, things mm. could end up bleak for Newcastle. Obviously, Arsenal very good in the day as well. The Hale in general is failing yeah. Yes, yes, hey, yes. Love so to good. see it. Like, yeah. he actually gives me so much of um, Alexander Hellevans. The low socks, long mm. sleeves. Dribbling with yeah. you know, like this guy is so good, mm. and um, obviously, I still believe Arsenal should be in the window for number 10. I don't, bro, it's what we are now in the 19th of January, and not one I'm not even seeing one deal nearly finalized. Even I just sitting up with their hands on the bums, like, oh, do you know what? I wanted to, I wanted to comment that on your um. On your post today, you know the one was like, "What's the best January signings?" Because then I was thinking, it is January. It's the 19th, and even just around the world, there's not been many proper signings. I think AC Milan. Are you talking about over the years? I think they've got just even just this season. Did they make a sign this January? Has there been many? Milan. I think Milan have got. Oh, um, they took. um, Manzukic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I, mean, those are just, I think those are just loans. But yeah, in the Premier League, not many clubs here have... I suppose they have been... They've been busy, like... Not not their boards have been busy, but the clubs have been busy with, like, those quite congested um, games. But yeah, especially that's not an excuse. Like... Arsenal need... We've been focusing too much on getting everyone yeah, out. I mean, but, it's one of those things where you just got to be grateful with this club if they make some... Because obviously, we've needed to get... So at least, at least <laughs> some guys are going and hopefully that'll be a step in the right direction to bring guys in. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. In Smith Rowe, he's a great player. I just don't want him to get burned out. Really, that's my only worry. Because with him, he's mm-hmm. a player who's obviously had a poor injury record. This is the most fit I've seen him and hence why he's having a good run in the side. But I can't trust his injury record to say, yeah, he's going to stay fit the whole season. If he does get injured, we are literally back to square one. Like, and yeah. where is it really going to come from? Because we'll touch on him in a bit. But Urzel's now gone. As if he was going to get in the side anyway. But if Emil Smith-Rogue gets injured, no Urzel. He, I'm not trying to see Willian in them pockets. I'm not trying to see Lacazette again. Those were tough times. Like... <laughs> Every time this guy comes on, Willian, as well, it's just like... You gotta stop calling him number 12, no, nah. Just get off, just, just get, get him, literally, no name. Yeah. No name, don't even put respect on his name. But yeah, 100, if, yeah, if, if... Because I was thinking of it, I was thinking, cool. it is easy to fall into that trap of like, oh, maybe you don't even need a number so 10 too tough. famous for. But it's just that, dang, uh-huh, it's that dangerous spiral of... If Smithrow, like you're saying, he is known for 
injury. Not he's not known to be some injury prone guy, but if he does get injured, what do we do? And I do yeah, not want to take that so risk. Even yeah, get a Brendia in. Obviously, with Brendia, he does play predominantly on the right, but he can play central. I've no doubt about that. Mm. Because on the right, it's going to yeah. be uh, Bukayo Saka, who's also doing bits. So now I can't see him getting dropped, regardless of who is coming in. Because mm. we saw today again, this guy is just that right wing spots his. Like honestly, Pepe, I love you for your mentality. You know, I had high hopes for this transfer, it just didn't work out. But it's cool. Pack your bags and find your way. I don't know back to league. No, nothing personal, but yeah. Like it's nothing personal with Saka. I mean, nothing personal with Pepe, but Pepe. you know he's cemented that right wing spot because Saka. Like, but yeah, another good performance there yet again. And it's crazy to think that these guys are so young, but they're just adapting with ease. And hopefully, injuries don't get in the way. Hopefully, they stay grounded. The potential sky high. Like they've literally saved half the season. Definitely, and it's nice that they're doing a little, not doing their like forming kind of partnership, just kind of developing together. Definitely, lovely to see. Like Emil Smith Rowe is like this season's um, Emiliano Martinez. Yeah, like it's someone where their hand kind of got forced into it, but it's low key been a blessing in disguise. Yeah, and Definitely. now they're quite heavily relying on him, obviously. Speaking of Martinez, Martinez was a goalkeeper. And if you look at Arsenal's current defence, current goalkeeper situation, this is now a fifth clean sheet in a row. Yes. I think the yes. first time this has happened since 2009. We did a maths, that's 11 years. Now, it's mad. One thing I always said about Arteta, and this, this was why in my predictions I had Arsenal so high, because I feel like with these type of things... When I do my predictions, it's nice having a, a nice attack, but a defence is so key to anything good that's we want to do in the future. And I feel like when Arsenal, I went Arteta came through, um, no one really gave him as much credit as he deserved for really turning around Arsenal's defence. Like he had guys like Mustafi, Louise, all these guys who are not synonymous for actually playing well defensively looking mm. rock solid they he had him as a unit at the back obviously there were a couple blip ups during the during line last season and even this season and obviously in that poor run of form our the arsenal's defense kind of did go to the ships but on the grand scheme of things he's absolutely changed this defense massively yeah definitely and you know what it is it is definitely it's, it's such a foundation to build off. Do you mm. know what I mean? Because just having that confidence, it's just, it's just confidence in every line of their like the attack. So the defense now have confidence in the key part. The actual four at the back, they're doing all right. You know, they're not. They've not come up against deadly attackers. <laughs> no offense, Daniel. Obviously, they're playing what's in front of them, but mm. they're doing their thing. Hopefully. I would like to see Gabriel ease back in as opposed to continuing with Louise. Not that Louise has done anything extremely bad yet, but hopefully. But you, but I mean, obviously, Gabriel definitely has to come back in. But 
I'm kind of trying to see Murray. Obviously, I, I don't know. I think he had uh, a little injury. That's why he didn't play today. But obviously, when he gets back, I'm trying to see Murray kind of stay in his starting role because he's been another player who's quietly gone under the radar but done very well in those in pretty much the game since the Chelsea and really any games since mm. done very very well yeah he, he has done it it's just that 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 myth not myth but that kind of but it's like why yeah it is, it is it's, it's strange because you can have two right footed centre backs so I don't really see the issue with having yeah two left it's pretty weird because a centre-back partnership of Mari and Gabriel personally would be preferred. Like, show me a reason why that shouldn't happen. I'm not going to hear this too left. You know what? Even in terms of, I think people just think of it as you can't pass to the, you pass to the wing back, whatever. But like, I mean, yeah, right backs pass across. I mean, right foot players pass across their body all the time. Hmm. Like, I'm not trying to hear it, but you know, it is where it is. It's probably not going to happen. But what, mm-hmm. If Arteta is blessed with an elite, you know, defensive signings, like it could get very long. Because yeah. if this is what he's doing with this current crop, you might what be five clean sheets in a row. Imagine what could happen on elite defenders, but obviously time will tell whether that could happen but bigger Arsenal for getting five clean sheets in a run before we close off this one where do you think Arsenal finish the season because obviously Arsenal have had like a, a nice little upturn in form what's that mm. five wins one draw in our last game like six games or something like that like none of that relegation talk around here no more in the top half of the table so is this just good form or what are you saying? What do you think? I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I do want to see how we survive in this quote-unquote run. I think people are doing a bit too much, saying, oh, we've got a tough run coming up. We need to stay calm, whatever. It's a, come on now, we were, like, we're not... It would have been a tough run on paper, but I don't feel like people are actually taking in Wolves' form. Obviously, yeah, they haven't literally, really that was the example. To no, get onto them. But... Their form is hitting a very worrying stage. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Jimenez is a big, huge miss for them. Like, it's not even just a big, huge miss. But ultimately speaking, like, they need to find a way to temporarily sort out what Diego Costa is a free agent, bring him in. Because you mm. need goals from somewhere. And he's been someone who's been getting goals in the Premier League for years. So they need to sort it out. Because if they don't, I don't look at Wolves as a bit of a threat. I look at them as a very worrying side of you. I'd hate to see it, but they could well fall into a little relegation battle. Yeah. They're 14th. And they're, mm. for, they're falling type of 14th. They've got Chelsea again. Shit, man. Yeah, I saw that come up in the table. And I was thinking, did they not just play them like last month or something? <laughs> I think it's all turning. It's turning around, and it we're starting to play the team twice again. Yeah, but yeah, that that's the thing with Wolves. Like it's it's worrying form right now. Like if I was a Wolves fan, I'd be worried, mm-hmm. especially when you're losing to West Brom. Mm-hmm. And 
with the Premier League, we've seen that you're not too good, you're not too big to get relegated. Because you look at Bournemouth, for example, they used to play champagne football, couple bad results, and look where they're at. Yeah. Aston Villa were one point away from getting relegated. The debate goes on whether they should have, if that goal counted. But it's like you see them now. If they win their games in hand, they're in the top four. But they what they were one point away from doing our championship football. So football is a very, very quick game. It can turn proper quickly. And um I'd worry for ties like a Wolves, like a Newcastle. But to say, you know, what Arsenal are gonna face them in like the next was it two games or something? Yeah. It's not a threat. It's not a threat like that. Like okay. me personally, where do I think Arsenal could finish? Uh, like you said, you don't want to get too optimistic over five games. But the thing is, it wouldn't be too far to say that they can put on a little Champions League charge. Only yeah. because everyone else around them is also performing at that type of level. Like It's not like previous seasons where the top four were outright top four. Hmm. You might maybe scrape a Europa League charge, but ultimately speaking, usually the top four is the top four. But everyone else is... Let me just check the table quickly. Because I wouldn't be surprised if it's something mad like we're like 10 points off the top or something. Yeah, that's it. And if you're 10 points off the top by January, I don't really see why I can... So, yeah, 10 points. We're only six off top four. Well, I don't feel like that's impossible. I really, I really don't. So yeah, especially now the I'm like you're it. saying the go on. the fixtures are going to turn around, so points are going to drop again. Like everyone was kind of picking up points because they're playing the the easier teams. I think it's going to kind of reset. Definitely games in like, hand. I, I wouldn't put my neck on the line for any team this season, really and truly. Only my team, but other than that, you can't really trust the form of anyone because. 2021, 2020 slash 21. Mm. Uh, it's just been a bit of a, a mad little season where anything could really happen. As we see now, Aston Villa win their games in hand. Mm. Well, they they got four games in hand on Arsenal. Yeah. They win their, <laughs> the thing like, is, they got, their games in hand are peak. How peak are we talking? I'm talking City, Spurs. Oh yeah, see, that's so I know they have Newcastle in between. Okay. Yeah, so they've got they still got to play Spurs, Everton. Yeah, Spurs, Everton, and who's that one? Oh no, some of them have even Everton and Man City is just that's three very hard third so. But if they do win those games in hand, hypothetically. They would mm. find themselves three, nine. Yeah, pretty much one point. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, where they find themselves exactly where Leicester are. And even then, Leicester are still in the mix as well. So it's a weird, weird little season. But I wouldn't put it past. All I'm going to say is I wouldn't put it past Arsenal to make a Champions League charge. But yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to get too excited. I don't want people to quote man on any things like I'm just saying like it wouldn't be out of the rooms that's mm. that but to conclude we'll touch on Ozil and we'll touch on Rooney two big stories happen between the two 
guess you could say pretty contrasting but two topics nonetheless but Ozil has finally left Arsenal and Rooney's retired so we'll touch on Ozil quickly I feel like we've said our piece on Ozil enough like anything we say now will slightly be repeating it but a nice little close off onto the situation uh, I would start really it's unfortunate that it's had to end this way we all know Ozil's uh, one of the best playmakers best number 10s of this generation of the Premier League history like that 2015-16 season will always remain as one of the most creative seasons in history uh, so as I said it's unfortunate that it's ended on such a sour sour note but uh, it's good that he's gone I didn't I, obviously if you said this imagine saying this 10 years ago yeah. that he'd be at Fernabache it's so crazy but it's yeah. good that he's going somewhere he can actually play those are things we'll be watching Turkish football <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy yeah, but you know what they could even get a young Champions League next season yeah it's crazy how things work out but um, yeah now what are your thoughts on the, the whole situation nah. really yeah I've been kind of looking at the um, kind of the archives just over the past four couple of years he was here for like a video and I do think he is personally in my opinion I think he's the best Arsenal player of this like Emirates era I, I hate that. I hate that. Because only, only, but he's definitely. I don't know. The thing with football is that it is so easy just to be like, "Cool, we don't want excuses. We don't want storyline. We just want results." But this case with Özil, especially Arsenal, is just story after story after story. Like, even just thinking about it in my head, it's been such a mad journey from even from being like record signing to like coming in and just be like coming from Real Madrid just the hype around that and then getting the first trophy like after however many years being even in his first season he was very polarising like some people were like because he went on a bit of a I don't know if it was a goal drought or a, like an assist drought or whatever you were, like kind of crucified very early on because I remember Arsene Wenger was playing him out wide didn't it? yeah I was on the wing like Ozil <laughs> yeah, I dig that. Yeah, but, mad. yeah, literally, like he was getting crucified from early. And I'm thinking, I mean, this is, just, I don't know, because that's the one thing I will say. Obviously, it's completely irrelevant, but people always get onto AFTV for them apparently going too hard on the players and stuff like that. But mm. I feel like if you've actually been to a football game, you'd know that actual foot going football fans are so much worse. Literally, AFTV is just it's kind three, of down version, really. Yeah, three or four guys who actually want to speak after the game. Everyone else goes home. These guys want to stick around and just kind of articulate their feelings in some football games. Did you see that um, clip resurfacing of um, a Bue? Yeah, when I remember that game vividly. To be fair, like context before I. Slate fans, he, oh, was, he not... was a shot. Like, that was one of the worst ever Emirates performances I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like, on. Like, I know people are saying, Oh, we are one nil up. Da, da, da. The guy was literally just like, he was like, like he didn't even care. Oh, so bad, it was terrible. Like, I obviously I don't condone what the fans done, mm. 
but in the most respectful way possible I slightly I slightly understand it was definitely deserved it yeah. was definitely not deserved not deserved it was it was it's understandable, understandable. yeah yeah because that that was historic that was iconic for being so bad yeah I think with me personally being in a luckily enough to go to games I, I kind of understand the mindset of like a a fan and when they you're at home on a TV yeah first of all you've paid big money to be here taking some people travel especially far wide. with Arsenal uh huh like stupid money to watch the game so minimum you want people you want players to look like they care mm. secondly just compared to when you're at home when you're at home you say all the stuff you want like oh you're shit why didn't you pass this and that so in a stadium you feel as if your voice everyone feels as if their voice in the stadium is heard it's so you know when you hear people saying play it across there and pass and stop doing this and that and you're thinking what do you expect them to hear you but honestly it just come it's so mad how you just feel like obviously it's a proximity like you're literally there but you do feel as if like cool they're listening to me Mm. and with booing it's such like a because I don't know it sounds stupid saying it's not words but because it's such like a, it's more of like a mood you're just like get this guy away from me like why am I still watching him yeah it's kind of and it's so because it can be so collective it just oh, for a player I'm not going to lie it must be terrible but I'm deep having this little conversation it's just miss, making me miss the stadium yeah definitely man definitely oh, that first game back wherever it may be <sighs> When yeah. I finally get back into a stadium, I might drop a tear, bro. It's going to be emotional. Cherish that one still. Like, it's been so long. And Do you I know what? I don't know when it's going to end. Not to cut you off, but mm. I was speaking to, um, I don't know if you know the Arsenal on Instagram. We were talking about how we were both, we went to quite a few games with Ozil. Yeah. And then we kind of touched on, like, going to games this season. Do you think it would be the same. As in, like, how do you think it would have... Like, obviously, the results this have happened, let's just say we can't change that, but do you think, like... How do you think the atmosphere would be? Oh, so you're saying this season with the Urza situation, but with fans? But even just the whole, like, <laughs> the, the games we're losing as well. The what? And just the style... The, even the games we lo- the lost and the style oh, yeah. of play and just in general. I was saying this in my group chat, like... Players like Arteta, William, they are so fans. Yeah. The manager like Arteta and players like William, they're so lucky that fans are not in the stadium. Obviously, I'm backing Arteta, but he's extremely lucky that there's no fans there to get onto him because yeah. things, especially in the Emirates, could get very toxic very quickly uh-huh. if it goes wrong. Like, that's been a very, like, he's, he's probably the only guy who's benefited the most from the Iron fans. And he's yeah. been there, you know, being allowed to be by himself and ride through those tough times, but not enough, not a lot of pressures on his neck from the fans, for example. Mm. William, boy, I was saying, he's, if there was fans in the stadium. Every time. Oh, oh my God. Like, it would get peak for him. Like, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he'd get booed off. A hundred. And you know what? It would be, it would be you know how he makes these sub, he subs him on now? The, as soon as his name or what's it called the the thing with his number the little board that the four official throws up yeah. as soon as people see 12 it'll get peaks because oh, I'm trying to think of an example who that would help him with 
I can't think of the top of my head, but I mean pre pre lockdown Xhaka. Yeah, Xhaka last definitely. year. But obviously he's you know, some would say he's turning things you know, but you know, we're not here to get too drawn into the Xhaka. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not in all of that. He's too much of a fluctuated player. Like. Yeah. He's actually such a purple patch player where he will he will go through good runs like this, but we know what he's about, but that's a separate debate. Mm. But yeah, no, nah, some of these players very lucky. There's no fans. Yeah, definitely. Because it'd get very long yeah. for them. But yeah, no, nah, us has gone. So it's a sad way to go out. But I feel like we've said all we need to. Is some of the morals about this club need to be questioned. Like some of the stuff he was exiled for. Again, need to question. Ultimately speaking, I'm happy the situation has come to an end because I'm I didn't like some of the stuff I saw on Earl's name. You know, yeah. might not have lived up to some of the expectations. Cool, there might have been a couple things which he done wrong, but the weekly stuff of seeing guys like Lee Gunnar take yeah. getting clout off of his name just by being that guy to slander him and become public enemy number one so it really felt like slandering his name became a bit trendy like i'm not even trying to excuse him because he has been slightly disappointed in the last couple of years but there's a lot of things that were out of his hands out of his control and i just feel like yeah i just didn't like the way arsenal fans are really going going about the way they were talking in his name yeah. so in in short he was definitely done dirty from the day like i know i was kind of going off on a tangent but my general point was that I'm not trying to say things needed to be spoon-fed for a situation, mm. but it was effectively like we were building a supercomputer without many parts. Like we just got the most expensive, most glamorous part. Like we got a nice little CPU thing, but defense. What was it? What was he working with? Really, strikers. You see how he got the best? He got 19 assists with. I know your. I know your Giroud. <laughs> your Giroud's your guy, but that. Uh, forever he will have blood on blood on his hands for that not that it was his entirely his fault yeah nah, even guys like Welbeck and Walcott done. Walcott trying to be a reborn striker whatever. that second half of the season whilst I do believe it's exaggerated he still should have scored at least one of them because I think in that run yeah. obviously it is was it 15 games whenever I go half of them he did come on as a sub but there is yeah. no excuse yeah. for like the other eight for example but then you yeah. got to, I even think, you know, we all criticize you and Walker and Wilbur, but somebody doesn't get criticized for that that second half of the season is Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. Like he just he wasn't injured that he obviously had a little two month no, it wasn't even two months, it was like a month long injury during that season. But on the grand scheme of things, he kinda he ghosted that second half of the season. And nobody talks about it. Yeah. Well, because of the other stuff he's done in the other seasons, but yeah, no, it's because he was no, but it's because he was fucking running around yeah. and just making it look like he was doing stuff. That's 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 British culture for you. Get yeah, off four and just run about and yeah, have some of that. Yeah. All that stuff, Literally. but yeah, he's trying. Bless him. Literally, <laughs> but yeah, no, they didn't really build a team around him. You know, they handled the whole situation poor, and it's so unfortunate. Even the other day, like if I was Urzul, I'd actually regret 
I know he's going to say, oh, I don't regret coming to Arsenal. And he's done, he's had some yeah. good moments. So I can slightly understand it on one side of things. But on the other, it's like, you really could have been doing up her madness with Real Madrid. Maybe even, I don't know, Bayern Munich got interest. One of the bigger sides in Europe got interested in you. You really could have been doing up that. But you made a sacrifice to come here. And, you know, on some side of things, it paid off. And the other, you kind of look at your thing. Was I better off just with a better team? Yeah, those are hypotheticals. You will never really know the answers to those kind of questions. But as I said, it's, at least Urs was getting some game time somewhere and wishing more the best there. Hopefully, he can rejuvenate his career and them things there. But um, so, yeah. And um, with Rooney getting retired, I think this podcast has kind of dragged on for a bit today so we're only touching it for like the last five minutes but legend yeah. of the game man what, what I would like actually I'll switch up like we don't need to really talk too much about his playing career I feel like that's something we both discussed fairly enough on our pages and stuff like that he's a recognised legend of the game without a shadow of a doubt but one thing I, I don't really want to Put, put like a negative spin on this whole Rooney situation but kind of something i got to discuss because he has been a player manager there for what the last year yeah I didn't deep it you know how people are like oh no I honestly understood that he's now retired but I was thinking like I swear he's been like he's still like he was liable just to hop on in the last 10 minutes. yeah like it's not something he was still playing the modern game like a, a yeah. player manager Obviously, he was fairly big back in the day and during these times, the only time I'd really see it is obviously on FIFA and stuff like that, but never really see a live all in the modern game. But yeah, he was a player manager in the last year or so, we'd say. And the question I got asked is like, Bright and Derby are kind of, they're, they're sitting 22nd right now. They're in a relegation spot to go down to the um, Football League One. And it's like, I don't know how to best put it. It's like ex-player privilege. Because there's no way you're putting... Ah, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, there's no way you're putting him as a manager based on his managerial duties. Because they're a lot worse off. Like, people criticise Lampard for taking uh, Derby from sixth to sixth or something like that, something along those lines. But they are 22nd now. Yeah, like <laughs> pretty mad. It's pretty mad. I don't know. I, like, I just, you know what? I don't want to. As I said, I don't want to add a negative spin to it. But it's like, surely this. I know you're never saying. being appointed actual manager. Yeah, literally. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say that. Why was he even manager? Never mind. Like obviously, it like, he's got an amazing storyline. Rooney. Mm legendary player can he be legendary manager but I don't know I might even make an actual post and it probably generate a discussion but some of these managers need credentials like you need to have a reason we can't just mm-hmm. keep appointing these former players because they were former players yeah because yeah as I said they're 22nd right now and I'm thinking no offering, bro. It, it, it kind of feels like a bit of a, and I, again, with all due respect, it kind of just feels like a bit of a PR stunt. Like, 
obviously yeah, Mourinho is a big man. name, legendary name. So let's just appoint him as a manager because there's no reason you should have appointed him on the basis of football ability. I mean, managerial ability. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just wanted to get that little off my chest because yeah, no, I hear it's happened you. for I a lot of guys. Definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, might as well close off then. That's been another episode of the One Two Podcast, episode twenty two. As I said in the beginning, yeah, yeah. be sure to follow us on Spotify so you can stay updated for the jazz. If you are by any chance not following us, do up my Instagram, the Footballist FC, on Instagram, and obviously do up Dave's Instagram at Galazzo first. He just dropped a Phil Folding video Sorry. the other day. If you haven't checked it out, be sure to do that. And um, mm. yes, all links will probably be in the bios, all that jazz. So be sure to do that up. But without further ado, we'll catch you guys next week as we'll run down all the drama that goes down on the weekend. As per usual, it's been myself, Jay. I'm my usual co-host, Dave. Yes, sir. And we out. Catch you guys in a bit. Keep it locked. Peace. Peace.